Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran Donald. You're welcome to Business Matters. Last Thursday saw the launch of the Inishon Sustainable Energy Communities Strategic Plan in the Ballyleffin Lodge Hotel. I travelled to the launch and spoke to a number of people involved in the plan aimed at creating a decarbonised and more sustainable Inishon. Later in the programme, we'll be hearing from the Joint CEO of Inishon Development Partnership, Andrew Ward, and Claire Irwin of Irwin Consulting, who delivered the keynote address. My first guest this week is IDP team lead and a member of the ISEC committee, Paul McGonigal, who acted as MC for the launch of the 84 page plan. Paul, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you very much, Kieran. Delighted to be here. Paul, we have just had the official launch of the ISEC's strategic plan here in the Ballyleffin Lodge Hotel. A major development for the organisation. Yeah, kind of would be. It'll be it'll be a big milestone for us. You know, it's it's probably in the short term, it's probably best part of a year and a half in the pipeline. But beyond that, it's it's over three years since the um, sustainable energy community was formed. So, yeah, obviously, it's it's really about informing the community of where we stand, but also engaging them now to see how they and us can now form a part of the of the rest of this journey or the next part of this journey, which is going to be very very significant. Just going back uh, to the formation uh, of the organisation, Paul. Why uh, was there a need uh, in the peninsula for something like this to, to take place? Well, it's a credit to former colleague Mary McCallion, who's, who's retired since um, just over three years ago, as I mentioned. I'm two years with the firm, but she was, I suppose, reviewing options and opportunities and community uh, requirements and needs. That's Inishon Development Partnerships, that's IDP's philosophy is people, place and progress in, within the Inishon community. So within that, it was recognised that um, you know that sustainable development goals and that requirement for climate change and those targets and those policies that were coming down that were and were also coming down the track, that we would maybe take a lead on, on how we could uh, assist the community. Um, certain elements of the community at least in making sure that um, they got that just transition piece that they got uh, a part of it that they were informed of exactly what those opportunities were and indeed what the challenges might be as well so Mary initially um, contacted SEAI uh, to form uh, a sustainable energy community which is not a difficult task when you've got a, a committed group it can be on a, on a pretty small scale such as a sports club or a community centre um, in our case we decided we would do what we do which is cater for the peninsula which is a very broad um, very broad spectrum, obviously. So from there, um, once it was formed, uh, the SEAI appoint um, advisors and mentors, and that was ATU Sligo uh, in the form of Mel Gavin and, and Stevie Donnelly. They supported the development of an energy master plan for Inishon, which was funded again by SEAI and uh, ours consultant consultancy firm uh, produced that for us, and that was launched in July 2021. So from there, um, we've been doing bits and pieces and researching opportunities and figuring out what we'd have to do. And I have to emphasise it was an initial development partnership. We're doing that, you know, pretty much off, the, off our own backs because we don't have any resources or budgets for that within the organisation. But we did recognise the need to try and stay with or ahead of the game, at least in terms of, of what was moving in this whole sector, which is moving extremely quickly, quickly here and is moving much faster even over the last 18 months or two years. So... Um, I think the big milestone we had then was in um, January of last year. 
the committee, which is made up of um, a broad spectrum of individuals, there's 12 there at the moment. Um, IDP would be classed, I suppose, as the lead partner there because we formed it in the first place and we tend to drive it from a, an administrative perspective. But we've got a nice broad spectrum committee there from, uh, committee with the local authority. Donegal County Council represented. We've got Inishman Cooperative Society represented, which obviously covers much or most of the agri-sector, which is huge in, in our region also. We've got academia there, in the Associate Professor Sarah McCormick from TCD. We've got industry experts in their own field, whether that's wind energy. We've we looked at biodiversity and the Rivers Trust with, with Trish Murphy there. So there's a nice broad sweep of individuals with various skill sets, um, various experiences as well that we feel can add value to the to the committee. And how important is it that there's such a cross-section of community and society involved? Well, I suppose the importance of it really boils down to the opportunity. The opportunity can't happen without community. The opportunity can't happen without businesses. It can't happen without homeowners. Uh, it can't happen without social enterprises. It can't happen. It has to be inclusive. Um, and whether it's inclusive because it's inverted commas forced via just transition or it's inclusive because it's a better result, which is more important to us, I suppose, um, it's just really important for us to have that broad reach. And I mean, as broad as it is, I feel it's going to get uh, significantly broader from this point forward as well. Can you give us a brief overview, Paul, of the strategic plan that was launched earlier? Well, I suppose the, the, the plan that's launched earlier really is to see how Inishon as a region can avail, can firstly take on the challenges that climate change present. Um, and that's really a, a broader theme insofar as it's, it's more relative to you know, the, the need for it, uh, Kieran, as, as opposed to the opportunity. But the second factor certainly is the opportunity. And there's going to be significant opportunities in this sector moving forward. And we heard that this evening in, in Claire Irwin's excellent uh, presentation, even on a local level, what that can mean from the construction sector, from the financial sector, for uh, those secondary industries, secondary economic side of things as well. It's just phenomenal, uh, the potential. So really... Overall, what the strategic plan or roadmap does is outline how we are going to place ourselves. We're already, already very well positioned because of the work that's gone on over the last number of years to avail of those opportunities and to meet those challenges head on. And that's really what the roadmap outlines. And it's based on four primary themes. And I'm not going to try and quote them to you right now, but they're going to be made available publicly as well. But they're placed on four primary themes, which ultimately ensures that sustainable uh, goals are, are reached uh, and that sustainable factor and that future factor, if you like, is, is very much at the core of this here. But that ultimately the entire community get the benefit of it and that just transition piece is at the heart of what we're looking to do. And what is the main challenge facing ASEC at the minute? I think, um, again, um, and we, we, we tend to cry poor mouth in this part of the world and we don't want in Donegal or in Ashone for that matter, but one of the biggest challenges we have is we've got offshore wind capacity right around the coast of Ireland, which is the best in Europe. The whole of Europe are looking at that in the same way as others looked at our oil and gas resources in the past. I think that on a, on a, on a, a global Irish scale, if you like, is a very serious issue because we need to hold on to that resource. We've given away other ones in the past and this one's going to be here forever and future and future and future generations. So we absolutely need to hold on to that one. The challenges within that sector really... Our grid capacity, or our grid infrastructure, is very, very poor. It's extremely weak, and there's significant constraints with it. So we could put up, or somebody commercially could put up 100 turbines tomorrow and 1,000 offshore, but we've actually nowhere for it to go. Um, and that's a significant challenge. And we've, as you heard tonight, have four uh, potential energy generation projects 
which could provide energy up to 20 megawatt or, or power the best part of 16,000 homes. But the barriers that we have up, and, and I know Andrew Ward's going to speak to those shortly, so I'm not going to get into that. The barriers are quite quite challenging there. I don't know that there's many other challenges. I think the opportunity is really what it boils down to now. How do we ensure that we place ourselves strategically, which is what this plan is all about, to be ensure that we're in a position to avail of the opportunities that are coming our way. And those opportunities are going to come nationally uh, from various different funding sources, from Brexit funds, from Peace Plus monies, uh, from, and then in European context, there's EU cities facilities funds, which was referred to tonight that the DCC or County Council are looking at. There's going to be multiple other European funds, Horizon funds and other funds available as well. The strategic plan itself that we have outlines a lot of when those come available, how we're going to achieve them, and how we're going to, and the big way we're going to achieve them is through networking and through clustering and EU cluster funds, fund, uh, monies that will be available as well. And that will allow us to resource ourselves. That will allow us to, to take uh, part in this climate change move because it is going to take investment and it is going to take money. So community and collaboration will be key. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's our ethos in ADP, as I mentioned. And um, that collaborative piece, that community piece, is, is core to what we're looking to achieve here. It, we we recognise, and I think everybody recognises, even the government and I know the council have recognised as well, they're not going to make these changes without community organisations and social enterprises coming on board and weighing in behind them and being part of it. You need to involve the people. If you involve them, they own it. And, you know, if you tell them, they'll forget it. And that's that's something that we're absolutely going to be, it's going to be at the core of what we do. And how has the support been from the community to date, Paul? I suppose it's it's a difficult one to answer because we've been working away and beavering away in the background in the middle of all the other work that we carry out with an IDP. I mean, Anya's role as a community development officer is extremely broad and she was on so much already this week that it has absolutely nothing to do with renewables and I'm not going into the details of them. Um, so as I say, we've been beavering away and it's 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 kind of a, a well-kept secret but not on a deliberate basis. So really tonight was about informing people that it exists as much as it was informing them that we're ready to move to the next phase. So... Um, I think it's uh, that communication piece is, is going to be much broader now. We've got much greater access to it now, and there's, there's much more happening much quicker as well. Okay, the whole industry, the whole sector is moving so fast at the moment as well. Uh, and each owned seems to be leading the way, Paul, in this regard, um, not alone countywide or regionally, but, but indeed you know, across the country, it's, it's, it's up there with the best. Yeah, well, I think um, we, we, got, we got that national recognition um, in late uh, 2021 from SEA as well and the Inspirational Community Energy Award as well. And um, that obviously raised our profile. And we found, not by coincidence or chance, but it was through you know all, all the other various networking events that we attend and go to, but we found very quickly there were a lot of other similar sort of entities nationally, SECs nationally, who were in the same sort of stage that we are at as well. They're still finding their feet very much, but they're also doing it on a, on a fairly large scale. Uh, Dingle Hub and Kerry would be one a very mobile organisation as well. Um, I'll give an example of that. Kieran, they, they engaged the West Kerry Dairy Cooperative Society, the farmers there, and formed and then facilitated them forming their own SEC, which has saved them considerably in, in energy costs and obviously contributed greatly to reduction of, of, um, of carbon as well. So it has... and just learning from each other, communicating with each other. Um, Greenoffoli as well have been um, really, really good to get in, in touch with also. And as was mentioned tonight by Anya, from that there, uh, the local futures group has been formed, which is about 10 of, of the SECs that are really 
really driving things on a, on a maybe a larger scale. When I mean larger, I mean they've just maybe got a wider footprint uh, to cover than maybe some of the other SECs in the country as well. So, but that's all about uh, collaboration as well. So it is, and that's all about learning from each other. But learning from each other so we can teach others, if you like. And so it's not about where we can get to; it's where everybody can get to. Uh, just on the topic of learning, Paul, uh, a workshop process was rolled out earlier this year uh, before the strategic plan was actually finalised. How much learnings uh, did your own organisation take from those workshops? Um, I suppose that we found those they were a bit of an eye-opener in, in many respects. Um, certainly the first one we held was with the agricultural sector uh, and it was, it was held in Cairndonna, so it was in mid-February. And um, just the learnings and the understanding and understanding how much they understood and their challenges as well um, was phenomenal. Um, and equally then, you know, you look at the flip side of that and you look for solutions and, and the opportunities that go with it and you realise that those are quite significant and vast. But that collaboration piece and that getting to know the workshops, we, we met then the following day with uh, the youth and training sector. It was referred to this evening, you know, we're the greatest country for export and our greatest asset, which is our youth and our young people. And that white van syndrome of moving to Dublin, as Claire referred to in her presentation as well, we have an opportunity in Donegal and certainly in the Nishon where we're probably hard, one of the hardest hit to reverse that whole, um, that whole cycle. And this is a once in a generational, probably lifetime opportunity as well insofar as well, we want to provide the training facilities here. We want to upskill the individuals here. We want them working on the offshore farms when they come along. We want them travelling around the rest of the country, supporting those organisations, facilitating them on our own, so they maybe don't, if they don't want to, have to jump on a plane uh, and head somewhere else for a different career. So that's really a major, major part of what we're looking to achieve also. Paul, the social and economic benefits, uh, they know no bounds, really. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that, Kieran. Um We feel that this is probably... this. The, the biggest opportunity that the region has to change itself, probably economically, maybe societally, certainly culturally as well, um, in terms of how we how we generate and operate. Because there's the resources we have uh, in terms of the the land, the coastline, the offshore, but the resources we have with the people is, is, is way outweighs all of that. There, the resources we have within our industries, our agri sectors, our construction sector, we have absolutely everything we need. Um, to really turn this region into something completely different. And that's not about what we can do or we can achieve today. That's about what we can do for everybody else tomorrow and beyond. And that's why you've heard children and grandchildren and future generations referred to so many times this evening. And it's incumbent on us to make a job of this from there uh, so that they're not, as I mentioned at the end there, we want to be able to, well, we won't because we won't be here, but we want them to be very proud of the decisions and the moves that this generation makes on their behalf. And now is the time to do that. And the group has set itself a 10-year plan. Why 10 years, Paul? Well, maybe I might go back to that, that team leading, or that, sorry, team um, meeting that we had, a think tank that we had in, in January last year. We just took a day and got together as a group uh, for the first time, and it was back out of COVID times as well, Kieran. and it was just inspiring when you had that many people in a room, and it was a nice number, and we, we facilitated a really good discussion about what our ambitions were, what our missions were, what our values were, what we want to achieve. And we broke that down into a one-year, uh, five years and ten years. This is the one year. It's made slightly over that, but this is the one year. Are we ready to go? Um, and now we are. And now we have a chance to go for the five years, and now we have a chance to go for the ten years. But I suppose the big thing is that clearly the work that uh, Consortia Co and Emma City have done with us uh, as consultants 
it really gives a set roadmap now that we can now we can we know tomorrow where we're going with the first step in relation to that there we know exactly what the second step should look like the challenge we will have and remains is how we're going to resource that short term and make sure we get uh, the people on the ground that are going to actually drive that because the earlier that happens the better chance we're giving ourselves um, and that still remains a bit of a challenge but it's certainly one we're going to be looking at face on so and how confident are you that in 10 years time every box will be ticked and that the vision will be a reality it's a good question. The confidence comes from the people again. The confidence has to come from the people. It has to come from the collaboration. It has to come from that cohesive approach to um, achieving what's right. Um, it will be a bumpy road. No mistake about it. It'll, it'll always be a bumpy road. But I think with the committee that we've had, with the um, and you see the numbers that are here this evening as well to support it, um, I just feel that there's going to be pardon the pun, and energy about the place that's that's certainly going to drive the process forward. And without the people driving that process forward, it simply won't happen. But as you can see, across the county and across the country for that matter, and certainly here in Inishon, there's a lot of certainly business owners as well that are taking initiative into their own hands. And I mentioned or referred to the Inishon Cooperatives seminar that they held last night in relation to renewables. There's going to be a huge uptake in the agri-sector as well. So the answer to your question, the short answer, I'd be very confident. But we wouldn't be sitting here if we weren't all very confident about it as well. So there's a real good body of work um, done there at the moment, and there's a real good opportunity and, and a good, solid, um, outlined uh, methodology now about how we're going to go and, and go after that, Kieran, and going to achieve it. And that's that's really all it's about. Paul McGonagall from the Inishon Sustainable Energy Community, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. You're welcome, Kieran. Thank you. I am delighted to be joined on Business Matters by Andrew Ward. Joint CEO of the Inishon Development Partnership. Andrew, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you very much, Kevin. Andrew, uh, we've just had the launch of the Inishon Sustainable Energy Communities Strategic Plan, and your own organisation are very much involved in that as well. A game changer uh, is one way it was described tonight. Would you concur with that? I think I would. I think that... Um energy going forward if we look at Inishon or we look at Donegal we have to look at what are what are advantages have we got um, certainly we are, have one of the best wind resources in in, um, in Europe we're beside the market uh, you know um, when you look at what has happened in Eastern Europe the demand for power is is huge Um we have climate change objectives that we have to meet um, that can't be got away, gone away with. And we probably are in, in a very advantageous position if we handle it properly to, to uh, benefit the, the, the community in Inishon and Donegal. Uh, much reference was made tonight about the part uh, communities can play uh, and making uh, the plan uh, a reality. Um, from your own perspective, how good has the support been so far from the communities? The people of Inishon are very, very supportive. I think that, uh, you know, um, there are there are a number of different elements. I mean, the whole retrofit and, and that area there, and we have had this tremendous crisis with MICA, and um, the need uh, in relation to housing and uh, that area there, there's a lot of work being done, and there's a lot of work that, that will be done, and, um, you know, um, I, I, I think that, you know, 
we have to become uh, carbon neutral by 2050, and uh, you know, and indeed, Karen Dunna ha- uh, has to become carbon neutral by by 2030. So th- there's an awful lot of work that has to be done. Um, People in Inchon are very supportive of, of that. We, we had an Envision series, and the amount of people, which, sorry, the Envision was where we went out and spoke to local communities about what they wanted for their own communities. And, you know, one of the predominant things that people said was the environment. So people are very interested in the environment, and the environment, because of where we live, um, we, we have huge advantages. Um, and, particularly wind and energy and opportunities going forward uh, if if we manage it properly. The agri-sector and the marine sector uh, are two big uh, players and then they've shown both those sectors will have a big part to play in this plan. They, they have, yes. Um, and we, we also we, we administer the, the Acres program for uh, Donegal as well. Um, and, you know, when it looks at environmental improvements, um, you know, climate mitigation actions and, and, and that type of thing. Um, the the agri-sector, the, the agri-sector, it is particularly challenging, but I, I believe that people are meeting the challenge. The marine sector is slightly different. It is envisaged that the number of mariners that will be needed by 2030 in relation to offshore wind, and that means in, in the country we will have to double the, the number of mariners. Um, so, uh, you know, that is for... A place like in its own, uh, that is an opportunity where we have we, we have a great history of and seafaring tradition. Does uh, a launch like tonight uh, serve to bring together uh, so many sectors uh, and then have a purpose and a focus to go forward? I think so, and I think the the funny thing tonight it's over now, maybe twenty twenty five minutes, and you can still hear the buzz, people having tea and talking and meeting and making the connections because it's all about connections, and you know. In any energy story as, as well, you know, we have to have support and buy-in from the, from the community. And um, as I say again, you know, there are two different things here. One is the production of energy uh, and how that can be done and how the community can benefit from it. And the other is the whole retrofitting area, the whole, you know, just transition in relation to, to moving to a cleaner, greener um, economy. And finally, Andrew, uh, looking forward to leading IDP's role uh, and the whole process here with the plan. Well, I think I, IDP, you know, I, IDP have taken the leading role at a national level. They're recognised now. We, we have won an award uh, in in relation to it. But but you know, we have got. Um, under stage one we have been given four opportunities for the production of, of, of power We're, there's only two development companies as far as I'm aware under this ground in, in Ireland that, that have managed that one one is in Kerry and, and, and ourselves we've been given four opportunities uh, I think they, they've been given one we are in some ways um, you know we're pushing above our weight and we intend to push on Andrew Ward Joint CEO with IDP. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Join us after the break 
when we'll be talking to Claire Irwin. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering their upcoming Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. You're welcome back. My final guest this week is Bunkrana based quantity surveyor Claire Irwin, who delivered the keynote address at Thursday night's launch. Claire, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you. Claire, we've just had the launch of the ASEC's strategic plan. What's your overall reaction uh, to the plan? Um, I'm delighted to learn about the plan. Um, the plan will most certainly generate a positive social impact throughout and has shown and contribute greatly to the overall national climate um, action goals. Climate change is affecting every county in, in the country and every country on the continent. Um, it's disrupting our national economies. It's affecting lives, costing people, communities and, and countries dearly. So um, we're really fortunate to have this driving force behind us with the Inishon Sustainable Communities um, and future generations are going to thank us for the efforts that these guys are putting in place right now. In your keynote address uh, earlier to the audience, you did stress, clear that every single person can play a part in reducing CO2 carbon emissions. Absolutely. Every single person has a responsibility to play their part. Um, so be it uh, in my field, um, I focus in the construction, um, the the uh, carbon footprint. Uh, I, mean, I try to reduce the carbon footprint um, from construction, but also in the whole life cycle of a building. Um, that's my angle through because of my work. Um, but everybody has a role to play and a responsibility. So um, everybody just has to, you know, dig deep and you know all pull together. Uh, you mentioned earlier sustainability uh, is something you have a passion for, and you've had a passion uh, for that for quite a while here. Yes, uh, sustainability and the protection of our environment is something that has always been very close to my heart. Um, about 20 years ago, I studied in University of Ulster, Jordanstown, and a good proportion of the studies um, was focused around climate change, action and sustainability. And I suppose that's probably where my um, interest and passion first began. Um, during uh, later years then, um, I published a thesis on how to sustainably construct one farms in rural Ireland and published papers. Um, and, and just as time evolved, um, being involved in construction projects, um, my primary focus was always, you know, to try and reduce the, the impact uh, that the construction has on, you know, the ecological footprint and the emissions of the building that we construct during the whole life cycle of the buildings. Just over that 20-year period uh, that you've mentioned, how big a change have you seen in the sustainability area? There's been a phenomenal change because back, uh, say, 20 years ago, um, you were nearly trying to persuade clients to invest in buildings in the fabric um, and the renewable technologies um, because it wasn't mandatory back then. But thankfully, with the evolution and the enhancement of the, the building regulations, that has now nearly become mandatory that buildings are built to a certain standard. Um, I would always still strive um, to try and uh, encourage homeowners or clients 
um, to try and strive to go even further if they can, if the financial investment is there. If the financial investment's not there, we always try and explore any avenue that we can to um, obtain some grant funding, be it from the SEI or whatever pot of money we can pull um, to try and add that extra benefit. It's not always feasible, um, but <clears throat> I try to encourage um, clients to focus on um, the whole running costs and the savings that they could potentially make during the life cycle of the building as opposed to just the upfront costs right now. Uh, you gave a couple of examples uh, during your address as well, uh, Claire, uh, in relation to retrofitting and the benefits uh, of that process. So the benefits of retrofitting to, to private residents um, Sorry, the benefits of retrofitting your own personal home are tremendous. Um, they're really far-reaching. Um, I suppose the first benefit would be the comfort that the homeowner will experience. Um, on projects that I'm working on, we're taking homes from Ds, Es and Fs up to A1s, A2s. Um, you know, so the, the comfort level is the first uh, and most obvious um, benefit. Um the home is then obviously a much more healthy place to live. It's airtight. There's proper ventilation in the home. So it's a much more healthy place to, to be in and to reside. Um, uh, also, there's there's huge um, financial savings from the running costs of the home. So um, a home that could potentially have cost a fortune on oil and coal and that to run it now is very energy efficient because the building fabric is insulated airtight, the heat loss isn't tremendous like it was before um, so the running costs are much less um, there's newer and more sustainable energy um, solutions within the home and heating solutions um, most homes now are installing um, be it a ground source heat pump or an air to water heat pump um, as opposed to gas and oil so gas and oil burner is about 95% efficient whereas a heat pump for every one kilowatt that a homeowner um, spends on running that heat pump the output's at 300%. So the, you'll you'll get four kilowatts of heat out. So the financial savings is, is, is uh, substantial. Um, and obviously, the carbon footprint is dramatically reduced. Um, so you're helping the environment and um, helping towards uh, achieving these climate action goals. Are you finding that uh, more of your clients are aware of, of what's out there and the savings that are uh, available? So in, in February, of 2022, the SEAI um, launched uh, one-stop shops and uh, widely advertised the energy upgrade grant funding uh, pots of money that are available. So that created a lot of awareness. Um, but there is still a lot of um, people who are really surprised when I inform them about the the grants that are available to their projects. So there's still a lot of um, educating to do um, and probably promotion of the grants. You give an example uh, of your own house. Can you tell our listeners how old that is? Yes, um, my own house um, is 125 years old and we recently carried out an energy upgrade uh, to it. Um, we insulated the floors, the walls, changed the windows, um, the attic. We put in a renewable source of heating and a ventilation, ventilation system and um, RB or rating went from a D up to an A2. Um, 
this year we are hoping to put, install PV panels and I got my BER consultant to run a calculation on what my rating would be as a result of installing the PV panels and he has calculated it to be an A1 which is really phenomenal when you think about it a 125 year old house is an A1 will potentially be an A1 energy rating um, so it's as energy efficient as a brand new home built today to A1 standards so um, it's it's brilliant and it's really phenomenal to see for you know for yourself what you can do and the comforts that I uh, explained earlier that the homeowner um, will experience if they carry up a home uh, energy upgrade. I, I'm personally experiencing it myself, my husband and our son, um, and it's, it's just brilliant. You mentioned a few statistics uh, during your address as well, Claire. Sixty-one percent of Anish-owned homes uh, were built before two thousand and one, and ten percent of the homes were built in the earlier half of the last century. If I'm correct, yes, that's correct. Sixty-one percent of Anish-owned homes were built prior to two thousand and one, and ten percent of them in the earlier half of the last century. So this is a huge stock of homes that we can obviously assume are predominantly below today's building standards. So this along with the fact that 80% of the national building stock that will exist by 2050 is actually already built. So this means that retrofitting will play a key role in achieving the net zero emissions. Did those statistics surprise you? They absolutely baffled me um, when I read the Sustainable Energy Communities report. I couldn't believe that 61% of homes built um, in Anishon were prior to 2001. And it's actually pretty worrying um, because um, it just goes to show the huge stock of homes that require retrofitting um, in Anishon. So by virtue of that, uh, that can serve as a, as a massive opportunity for employment? Absolutely. Um, the the retrofitting works that are required uh, open up so much employment opportunity within Anishon and the country um, wide. Um, we need tradespeople. We need um, ins- companies to come in and insulate these buildings to install renewable sources of heating, new windows, plumbers, um, e- electricians. We need um, all of these tradespeople to come in and carry out the works. Um, we need training. We need... Um, you know, training to provide people uh, their trades that they need to get SEI approved. Um, so it's going to generate quite a lot of revenue. Um, I, on average, the homes um, achieve. Uh, on average, the homes obtain about a thirty thousand euro grant from the SEI. Um, so that's um, a proportion of the overall cost. So, say for example, if the energy upgrade works cost one hundred thousand, and there was a thirty thousand euro grant, so that's a hundred um, thousand spent on every house um, across sixty one percent of the houses in in a shown um, in an ideal world um, so it's a huge amount now also in an shown we have obviously the defective concrete block homes um, which um, is obviously going to generate a huge amount of employment f- in, within the construction industry to rebuild these um, unfortunate homes um, but the the SEAI grant funding can be availed um, of to those homes also thankfully um, so it's it's going to generate quite a lot of work locally yeah 
And finally, Claire, how big a part uh, will the construction industry play in ensuring that the strategic plan is realised in 10 years' time? So the construction industry um, contributes to 37% of the country's national um, carbon emissions. Um, So a big proportion of that is... um, within the actual construction of homes. So um, if homes are built in a more environmentally friendly way, um, more energy efficient, you know, that's going to cut down that emissions. Um, the the more uh, energy efficient ho- the home is built to, um, the running costs are going to be down. The home is going to have less of a carbon footprint in a, during its whole life cycle. Um, this week, um, the Creconia Vacant and Derelict Homes Grant were enhanced from €50,000 up to €70,000. And it also um, opened the, the gates for landlords to avail of these grants. So um, the construction industry contributes to 37% of the carbon emissions, as I said. So if we can reuse and rejuvenate existing properties we would be dramatically reducing the carbon footprint on construction so obviously construction has a huge um, carbon footprint and um, creates a lot of emissions so if we can reuse existing building stock that's there um, already that already has infrastructure that already has sewers electricity connections um, we can massively impact um, our climate and reduce our carbon emissions and finally clear before we let you go how is business these days it's good it's extremely busy to be honest um there's a huge um amount of interest in uh, SEI grant funding and the vacant and derelict homes grants um and that's generating a lot of uh, new work that potentially might not have been considered by homeowners um there is also a lot of new bills renovations um uh, because of the housing crisis, there's very little houses available on the market. So people who perhaps have outgrown a home are, instead of buying a new home, because there simply is not a home available to buy, um, they're adding on to their own house or renovating, extending. Um, obviously, from the defective concrete blocks, there's a phenomenal amount of homes in Anishon, um being knocked and rebuilt or the outer leaf remediation works carried out. So there's a, there's an awful lot of work. It's a really, really busy time um, for Donegal. Claire Irwin, owner of Irwin Consultants in McCrenna and quantity surveyor on RTE's Room to Improve. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thanks. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Paul McGonigal, Andrew Ward and Claire Irwin. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie.